pals, and welcome to We Read It One Night, the podcast where two sisters swoon over our favorite romance. For today's episode, we literally stayed up all night watching the second season of Netflix's Bridgerton, which tells the story of Kate and Anthony Bridgerton. Mm, kind of. Listen to us swoon, swear, and scorn this season during today's episode. A warning, this does contain spoilers. Enjoy the show. If GoGo Squeeze would like to sponsor us, um, fuck, I don't think this episode would or this podcast would happen without their Apple Apple. <laughs> would you like to explain what GoGo Squeeze is? GoGo <laughs> GoGo Squeeze are these in- very environmentally unfriendly, uh, like individual packets of like essentially applesauce, and it's like only apples. Like there's not like added sugar or anything. And you can like suck on them. Like they're in like what basically is amounts to like a Capri Sun pouch. It has like a twist cap. They're just delicious. So uh, they're all, they're great for the beach if you want like a refreshing snack that won't get super sandy. They sell them in bulk at your local big box store. I do not like the flavor, but I don't know why. It's just apples. Yeah. Today, <laughs> after staying up all night. Literally. Less, not 12 hours after we finished Bridgerton <laughs> season two, we are here to discuss we yeah. For eight of Bridgerton season two. Yeah, we were sleeping. I will, I got up at four <laughs> today. So, you know, that's PM. what I'm doing. PM. PM. Yeah. I was still up at 4 a.m. <laughs> so was I had one, one whole episode left because the last episode of season eight is like an hour and a half. Yeah. This isn't going to be a recap because we already did the book. Also, I just think that's like long and boring. Just watch the show. We're going to do like five, like five minutes of like, this is what changed. Here's what you missed on Glee. Wow. It's going to be all like, this is what changed, I feel like. but I know, but yeah. like a, like a, like an overview. Hmm. So just if you haven't seen it yet, and I guess you don't mind spoilers because there's going to be spoilers in this. We're assuming most of you have probably binged it or at least like. 85% of the way through by the time this episode is going to come out. <laughs> so overview, half, first half basically follows the Vicanu Love Me, the Sharma, they're now the Sharmas in the show, Kate, Mary, and Edwina, they're coming from India, they're, she's the diamond of the season, whatever, Anthony wants to marry her because he's a dummy. Then about halfway through, it sort of completely goes off the rails, Anthony fully proposes to Edwina, they make it all the way down the aisle until Edwina finally realizes that Anthony and her sister want to bang and runs away, then we have two episodes of just full angst drama um and then anthony and kate finally get together at like the last possible moment in the last five minutes of episode eight and then we have like a little cute second epilogue pal mal scene at the very end side plots include benedict going to art school colin growing facial hair um the featheringtons being poor and a weird like incestuous love triangle with the new featherington heir (laughs) slash a ponzi scheme Penelope being Lady Whistledown and all that shit and Eloise's continued girl ossification and very brief romance with a man who could be her twin but is not. And that's what you missed on Bridgerton season two. <laughs> Does that, yep. that cover all the bases? I would I would say so. There's always – yeah, there's there was just so much other side thoughts going on. Let's talk about the stuff that we liked. It started off super strong 
first episode was like hilarious, especially in comparison to the, you know, it was much funnier than the first season. Like I really, it was great. We got like Anthony like going on his like speed dating tour of London and like having his little like list of like checking off, like does not like books, check, like does not, like I don't know. <laughs> it was just funny. I was like, wow, it's so much funnier than season one. Like I'm so glad they went in this direction. Yeah. Just like a sequence of him like asking different random like 17 year olds, how many kids do you want? And then being like, what the fuck? And like Anthony still rabid completely rabid he got some kind of shots that yeah like did we talk about that rabies. i did don't we know we talk about that in our in our in no, probably, our book probably not recap? well maybe okay yeah probably well but. okay so i feel like we should give the background of this because anthony being feral and like <laughs> rabid is so season one anthony had like mutton chops and i'm operating <laughs> under the assumption that everyone here listening to this has watched season one and if you haven't like you're out of luck uh sorry we started this podcast after Bridgerton first came out so like we're just not gonna do season one and Anthony had mutton chops in it and he just spent the whole episode a whole season eyes wide absolutely feral not having his rabies shot like well, constantly peeking out. around like there's just something in his eyes there's something wolfish in Anthony's yeah, eyes he's just gleam. absolutely feral and season two Anthony has shaved his mutton chops <laughs> and is much generally much cleaner he just looks much more put together and so we're like but he's definitely still feral like he's still rabid he yep. still has rabies, but he's has some sort of shot that allows him to live with rabies. And that's that's Anthony. Yeah. Um so still feral, but he he got his rabies yeah. shots. Yeah. He's, it's just it's just hilarious. Like there's just so many moments when I'm like, wow, like that facial expression just like great A acting. And it I feel amazing. like this is only semi-related to this, but I feel like so Eloise. I saw this more in the first season with Eloise, like her like mannerisms and like just just how she like moves and does things. And I feel like they made, especially Benedict, but like the other siblings to lesser extent Anthony, like sort of all have that and it sort of makes them all seem related because you're like, oh, they have these like similar like sort of unusual like manner, like weird, yeah, like this feral energy, and, like, yeah, this like, oh, like I don't, I can't even like I could yeah. try to act it out, but you guys can't see me, so, but <laughs> yeah. The sibling re- relationship in general was also just really great. I, I think they hyped that up in this season a lot more than they did in season one, and I really appreciated it. They also really sort of leaned into the fact that Anthony is a surrogate father, especially for his younger siblings. Like, there's a very cute moment with Gregory and Anthony in the end when they're talking about Edmund, and it just really showed this like softer side to Anthony and some of the, you know, in some ways, some of like the benefits of of being the head of household and being the older sibling is that he gets to be this role model to his younger siblings. Mm-hmm. The acting overall this season, I thought was miles above season one. I think Simone Ashley and Jonathan Bailey who play Anthony and Kate are like, I mean, I, I don't want to spend time dunking on Rage John Page and Phoebe because obviously that was a success and a lot of people like them. I thought their acting was just sort of like, yeah, Okay, and I didn't miss having Rachel Jean Page in here. I mean, he's beautiful, and I obviously missed his face, but like, I I didn't need Simon as a character. Mm-hmm. But but Kate and Anthony just by themselves were incredible actors, and together their chemistry was just like fucking off the charts. Like they were just they're both, but it was so anim like animal all the time because they were both constantly like sniffing each other and like breathing <laughs> in each other's air. Like it was so like. <laughs> They're both constantly just like filled with like rabid energy for the other. Person. Yeah, yeah. It had 
we've seen this in other places, but can definitely confirm it had very like 10 things I hate about you vibes, which is uh, if you haven't seen it, one of the best teen rom-coms slash rom-coms of all time, 1999. Shakespeare retellings. Yeah. With, um, what's it? Why am I blanking on her name? Um, Julia Child. Julia Child. Julia Stiles. Styles and, and um, Heath Ledger. Yeah, not Julia Child. Imagine Heath Ledger. <laughs> it's exactly the same, but it's Julia Child. Yeah, Heath Ledger. What's um, what's what's his face's name? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, it's a it's a hit all overall, but it's also about two sisters, and they kind they very much the vibes of that, like Bianca, Edwina, like in a lot the of younger ways. sister, older sister dynamic yeah, of like like, Kate, like Kate, hard older sister who's like. Yeah. 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 No, it definitely it definitely gave me 10 things. There are a lot of callbacks in general. Like we have like a Anthony with his and this is in the trailer, like in the wet, the wet shirt, like 1995 prejudice reference. There were a mm-hmm. lot of like 2005 longing looks, hand moments, like lots of stuff like that references there was a sense and sensibility like a 19 what was it 1996 1905 the emma thompson sense and sensibility where um alan rickman carries kate winslet through the rain and like barges into the house and is immediately super Mm -hmm. worried for her there was a scene like that with kate and anthony so there was a lot of like this season was very much like an homage i think in a lot of ways to like the classic romance period pieces for sure Mm -hmm. yeah Exciting news. If you guys don't remember the cheese man, Mr. Finch <laughs> from season one, he and Philippa, who is the second Featherington sister, had a thing in season one and then they broke up. And I was like, oh my God, no, the cheese man, the cheese couple, because they bonded over their mutual love of cheese. But never fear, they get married in this season. They were They're definitely good. together at the end of season one. We're about to rewatch it tonight with our girls. Yeah, I'll see. Yeah. They're definitely, because I was like solid. I, I was not like worried about them getting together. I like knew that they were like oh. solidly like. Yeah, I don't know. I definitely I felt know. sad about the cheese man. I definitely yeah, I felt – I was like, oh, that, the cheese but... man. I don't oh. know. I'm yeah, glad yeah. – I'm just glad that we got confirmation. Like, we saw their wedding. They're good. Divorce isn't an option. They're yeah. they're happy. They're living their cheese dreams. It's going to yeah. be great. It's going to be fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> I like the costumes. I like the colors a lot. Like, I don't know. I really like the Featherington, like, ridiculous color scheme. Like, I, it just yeah. makes me happy. I know it's supposed to be, like, ugly, but it's – I like it. <laughs> I love that. I like that Kate – Got to wear it because Daphne's outfits in season one were just all the same like shade of blue mm. and they were pretty but it just got very tiring and Kate's color palette was just so much more vibrant and it was like all these jewel tones and it was beautiful and they had like Indian like traditional like inspired jewelry and stuff so they really sort of emphasized that part of their culture which was lovely and they all had oh Kate and Edwina not Mary because she was born in England, but Kate and Edwina both had like subtle Indian accents. Like they had the British accent because Kate like spent the first part of her life in England. And so Edwina had like a stronger Indian accent, but they both sort of had that that accent that like sort of came and went in scenes. I think it was like when they were mm-hmm. more like distressed that like, it would come yeah, out more. They did a good job though, I think. Yeah, no, I thought it was really interesting. Don't have, yeah. I also really enjoyed the cake jeweler um the the jeweler there was like this random jeweler <laughs> yeah. that kept popping up throughout the seasons that was always like can I have some cake like at the end and I like very much like identified with this man I thought like bold no move just like you come into someone's house to like perform a service for them and then you're like is that cake like I do love cake and he yeah. just like like no holds brass like he's just no. like bar- he's like give me the cake <laughs> and everyone like lets him have it in- until mrs featherington is just like not today another day goodbye <laughs> she denies him the cake and i was like um oh, that cake looked good too the one that they had on the table i was like let the man have cake <laughs> yeah she's also trying to like scam him at that time so i was like the least you could have done yeah 
him well, she's not really scamming him. She's wow. just trying to like get him to yeah. prove that she can scam other people. That was also the the Featherington Ponzi scheme. I did like <laughs> so the Featherington scheme is like the new heir comes and he's like young and hot from America and he's supposed to be rich with all these like ruby mines in Georgia, which yeah, immediately I, I was like, what? what? <laughs> but they don't actually exist. Like he's like kind of a fraudster. And then like basically it ends up that like he's gonna marry Cressida Cowper for her dowry, and then instead he marries. Lady Featherington like scams him into like being caught with Prudence, so he has to be engaged to her, and so they have to have the. He, and then he's like, "You dumb bitch! Like I don't actually have any money." But <laughs> the important part, the thing that I really liked about that plotline, was the random sexual tension, like love interest, like love plotline between Lady Featherington and the new Lord Featherington, because it was like age gap, it was taboo, it was it was weird, it was so weird, but it was every time it I came on it, screen, yeah. I was like, "This is hilarious." I'm so invested. And you know what? I loved Lady Featherington in season one, too. I thought Lady Featherington was the most dynamic character in season one. I don't think she was the most dynamic in season two, but I was still like, yeah, Portia. In both seasons, she just got to be like a bad person the entire time until the end when she like gets her like, I don't know what to call it, like her like, no, I'm just like a great mother moment. But meanwhile, like being yeah, shown Penelope so... constantly oh, and her daughters. But she's, I'm doing it for my, I do it for my girls. She's an enigma. Yeah, because yeah, at the end, the Colin, for some reason, is the one that discovers the fraud. And he's like, you better expose yourself. And then the Lord, the new Lord Featherington is like, we got to run away to America. And Lady Featherington is like, no, I'm going to tell everyone that you like defrauded me too. And yeah. uh, you can go away to America and I'm going to keep all the money. Okay, bye. And I was like, this yeah. is great. I was like, what a great ending to this story. Yeah. It's because she's like, well, what about – he's like, let's run away. And she's like, well, what about my girls? And he's like, oh, well, we can send for them later. And then he like sees that she doesn't, she's not into that. And he's like, oh, well, they can come with us if they want. But like it will be hard yeah. to convince them. And that's supposed to be the moment that yeah. she like flips. Well, I think also – I think Mrs. Featherton is very much like Mrs. Bennett in Pride and Prejudice. Where like Mrs. Bennett is really fucking annoying and really mean to most of her daughters. Yeah. But also like – her right whole mo is to make sure they're taken care of, and I right. think that that Mrs. and Lady Featherington definitely has that energy as well, where she's like, "I don't respect you. I think you guys are all dumb as fuck, <laughs> but I want you to be comfortable and I want you to be taken. But I recognize right. how precarious your situation is in this world, and I don't want you to struggle." Right. Um, I was gonna say this until later, but I don't know if this is like too harsh, but or I don't know harsh. I don't know what the word is. I don't know if I'm, this is too much of a call out, but this is this Lady Featherington cousin Jack, like you know Lord Featherington Prudence love triangle is the second familial love triangle in this series, and the thing I mean even in the book it was like almost too much like too many like Anthony Edwina scenes for me like I I would would have I would have like cut it even less to like you know scenes where like Anthony and Kate are talking for example and then Edwina comes up and Anthony like drops Kate and it's like oh Edwina like whatever overall though I feel like the book does a generally toes the line really well. Right, for sure. But what I was going to say, they really scaled that up. They made Edwina actually have feelings, made into a real love triangle in the show. And then they had this like Featherington familial love triangle. And it just makes me like someone who was like very involved in this process definitely just loves watching those like stepmother, stepson, like porn. Like that's what they like. Yeah. And they're like, oh, everyone else will love this. Let's scale this up. Like this is my kink. This is perfect. Like perfect opportunity. But meanwhile, like that was just something I feel like, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm 
projecting my views now, but most people tolerated it, but like would not have wanted it any more scaled up. It's like if I had a nickel for every time there was an inc- a semi-incestual love triangle in Bridgerton, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Yeah. I, I didn't need it once, but like, yeah, but why? Meanwhile, while I sincerely disliked the direction they went with Edwina, Kate Anthony love triangle. I fucking loved the feather. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was the funniest fucking shit in the whole series. Like it was hilarious. Yeah, I cackled really every time it came on. It was great. And then the one other thing that I really enjoyed, and I feel like we can we can talk about the Kate Anthony chemistry more, and like we'll talk about like the the sex and stuff. But the one other just like very very small thing I enjoyed is that there's one point in I think episode seven where Kate Edwina and Mary are all taking a bath, and they're each in like their own like large copper tub filled with like fancy oh, yeah. bubbles and soap. And I was like, that just seems so delicious and like <laughs> decadent, yeah. and I really enjoy. <laughs> we got a lot of bath scenes in there. More more 1995 Pride and Prejudice references, but not as many as we could have. They're when they're rolling in the mud. That would have been the perfect opportunity to have an Anthony bath scene right after that like a hundred percent like they're literally covered in mud they have to take a bath listen why we is got it off two screen Anthony bath scenes it's okay Did we, we got two? two yes we got two he's in the bath twice I don't remember that in the same episode within like 15 minutes of each other so <laughs> okay. he could have just been in the bath the whole the time, whole time. Exactly. unclear but two separate instances in mm-hmm. which he's in the bath mm-hmm. <laughs> okay at two different points in the episode like, there's still some missed opportunities you want to talk about the sex mm. yeah so so i mean they pitch a season as like they're like oh it doesn't have as much sex as season one and everyone made a big to-do out of that i think a lot of like the media articles about season one were like that's why it was so successful when like frankly i think i mean like i like that there was a lot of sex but also like the sex wasn't that great. It was just like missionary, like lasted 30 seconds. Yeah. Like it, I wasn't like, oh my God. And I, there were a lot of scenes in this. Like they don't have sex. They don't like kiss until episode six. They don't have sex until the very end of episode seven. And we get like one and a half sex scenes in the whole show. Mm-hmm. But there are so many scenes where they're just like so close to each other and they're just like breathing in each other's air and like sniffing each other and like not touching and like talking that are just like so much hotter than anything in season one but also like the sex in season one felt like it had more of a point where the 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 actual like physical intimacy scenes in this and this season they didn't feel like they moved the plot forward they felt like they could move the plot forward and then the very next because they they all happened to like the end of the episode so like they moved the plot forward and then the next episode you're like okay like i know where it's going now and then the writers were like "Eh, reel it back like and it was just the same thing over and over and over again i was like why it just like it felt i was like this is like a this is bad sex scenes because sex scenes are supposed to develop their relationship. They're supposed right. to move the plot forward, and they didn't. Right. No, I totally agree with that. But also, like, if they actually thought that the sex was what made people like season one, why would they try to change it purposely? I know you're saying like COVID, maybe that like impacted the amount they were able to do. Yeah, I think there's some theories that like COVID protocols made it more difficult for them to film the intimate scenes. But it was just that they had the constant the constant back and forth. It was like I don't know how universal this is, but King Nika is a the highest roller coaster in the world at Six Flags. There's probably many other roller coasters like Six this. Flags this is Great Adventure of, in New Jersey. <laughs> the kind of roller coaster is that it goes, you know, you're sitting there, you go from zero to 60. It's just like one huge hill and then it like 
gravity like coasts you back down. It's like straight up, straight down, that kind of roller coaster. Something very traumatizing about that roller coaster is that sometimes <laughs> it doesn't launch fast enough to get you over the top. So you get to the top and instead of going over, you just go straight back down backwards and have to like relaunch, <laughs> right? And that's what this fucking show – the last 50% was like, it was just constantly like the same back and forth argument. Like we think they're making some progress. And then the very next scene is Anthony being like, no, but I have to marry Edwina like 10 times in a row. Or Kate being like, no, you have to marry Edwina. Yeah, exactly. Or mutually them. And I I said, I can't remember if I said said this on the podcast before, but it's the kind of thing that I really hate in shows. And like The Bachelor does this a lot. Like it's the kind of thing that happens in real life a lot. Like people will, you know, People who are like talking, like they'll, they'll go back and forth on the same issues. Like a lot of times, you're not going to get like full closure usually the first time. Like if if it's you know like a a tense like I don't know that kind of situation. Yeah. But in media, I do not want to see that. Like I, it's like for, to use the it Bachelor as an example. Yeah, like they break up. I'm like, okay, you made some really good points. I feel like we got closure here. We're done here. And then the next scene is the producers like forcing the person to go back and talk again. And I'm like, no, we were done. I, I got it. I, this is just boring. The typical like thing is like, okay, they have their issues. They get over their issues. You think it's like all good, but there's still 50 pages left. So we need the third act breakup. And then, you know, they 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 regress a lot, but then they like, you know, get together at the end. So it happens like once, okay, where they like rehash the same things. But this was like just over Even and over. Twice, the- I would have been okay with. <laughs> Right. And you said you saw it described as like emotional edging somewhere, right? Yeah, I saw I saw some reviewers like describing it as that. Right. And it's like they would go back and forth without anything having even changed, right? For like the usual like third out yeah. breakup, there'll be like some big thing that happens and that changes it. But this was just like they're just can't make up they're just going back and forth for no reason. It's just so tiring. I was just I don't know. I just eventually just like was I don't know. It was it was frustrating. I can see I think also the thing is is like and I think you're the same way. Like listen, I like slow burns to an extent. Yeah. I think that there are people who are, are really into slow burns who will be obsessed with this season because this is exactly what they want. They want the endless like they want I like no, there are there are, there's definitely very po- I I can't I Obviously, because I'm dumb, can't think of any example right now. But like, there are absolutely very popular pieces of media that have the. Con- I mean, it's like it's like fucking Grey's Anatomy. It's like fucking Sex in the City. It's it's Derek and and Meredith. It's it's big and care. It's constant. Like it's just seasons long of like will they or won't they? It's Ross and Rachel, you know, and Friends. Right, like right. this is a very popular thing that a lot of people enjoy, and I can see. Why is there always a fucking fruit fly in this room? And I can see there being people that really, really enjoy that. And so I recognize that part of the reason that I don't think we were as big a fan of it is because I just don't think we're as big a fan of like that kind of slow burn in general. But also the thing, my problem with the issue that I sort of had was that it wasn't a slow burn. Like once, like halfway through episode six, it stopped being a slow burn and started being Okay, we've doused the fire and oh, it's yeah. lit again. And we've doused the fire and oh, it's lit again. Like it, there was no continuous burn. It was just like, God, like it was just really, really frustrating. Exactly. And inconsistent in a lot of ways. I don't know. Like yeah. there just wasn't, I felt like it could have been handled better. Yeah, inconsistent in the way that real people are, but not the way that I have any interest in seeing in fiction. Like, no, thank you. Yeah, I wouldn't call any of those, any of those like Grey's Anatomy friends, I wouldn't even call them slow burns. That's just like, will there want, like, that's a different, a slow burn. Yeah, that's what this was, though. It's supposed to be a gradual build ending in a crescendo, not just like randomly banging the keys at random times and then like giving up and then banging again and then, like, no. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it had a lot to do with the fact that like – and listen, like this show – I did we say this at the beginning of the episodes? Like – by like at the end by the end of episode four, it just veers completely off from the book. Like it's there's right. no similarity between this and the book, and that's fine. Listen, I'm I am not someone who ha- who's like this has to be 100 percent accurate. Season one wasn't 100 yeah. percent accurate to the book. I felt like it could have been less accurate to the book in some ways. Honestly, season yeah. one, and so like I'm not going to be precious about that. But this show, and I'm also recognizing that like. This, the show is not just made for romance readers. And so a lot of the expectations that we as romance novel readers have don't necessarily aren't necessarily going to be fulfilled when it comes to a, a show that's made for a wider audience like Bridgerton. However, this show was pitched like still the concept of Bridgerton is, yes, it's this family and yes, it's this big ensemble cast. And yes, a lot of people, there's a lot of different plot lines that get to happen and everybody gets a story. But at the center of each season is each Bridgerton sibling having a relationship, having a romantic relationship with someone. And the season, the main driving storyline of the season is their relationship. And this season, like Kate and Anthony were a major storyline, but they were not the major storyline. They were mm-hmm. like, I swear to God, Edwina had more lines than Kate. Yeah. Like in all of episode six, when Edwina leaves Anthony at the altar, Edwina gets like 10 million girl boss speeches that don't even make sense half the time that really yeah. fall flat. And I think that this is what they did to Daphne in season one as well. Cause Daphne, book Daphne and Simon, like the Duke and I is like widely considered to be just sort of like an average book. Like it's like the the Viscount Who Loved Me is like most people's favorite book in this in the in the series. And so Daphne and Simon are just sort of like, they're fine, but they're not, they're kind of boring. And the thing about season one, Daphne, is that they made her more boring and they took away the like strength and the feminism that Daphne had in the book. And they took that away in the show and then replaced it with this like girl boss version of feminism, of her being like, just because I'm a woman, you think I am incapable of making my own choices. And I'm like, it it was like they took away the actual strength and replaced it with like with girl boss with girl boss strength. And they did that to Edwina as well, particularly in episode six, when she has all those like big speeches. I was like, Edwina has this really like she's smart and she has this really like quiet strength in the book. And she's like really loves her sister and she like understands the situation that they're in. And the way that they wrote her just completely undermined that. And then like tried to give her this big character arc of like becoming less naive and becoming strong and powerful and like in her own right and like standing up like standing up to Kate. Like what? Yeah, it was just I was like, yeah. you made her like you tried to make her yeah. this different kind of feminism and this different kind of strength that ended up just feeling really cheap. It felt yeah. it felt like a commercial entity. It felt like a giant conglomeration wrote this, which is what happened. <laughs> yeah. And it just didn't make any sense. It was just like her big th- her first big speech is like, I'm going to make my decision just based on myself. Not – it's going to have nothing to do with you, Kate. And it's like that's literally what Kate was saying. Like, no. Like, what? Kate wants like, you to do I, that. That was the whole right. point. Kate's whole right. goal was to not burden you right. with this so that you would make things based on just what you wanted, make decisions based on what you wanted. And like in the book, Edwina is like – you know, Kate – Kate and Anthony have this in common that they're both like, oh, well, I have to take the entire burden. Like no one else can know what it is to be like my struggle and like have all this responsibility. <laughs> but like then Kate ha- like, has to realize that like, no, Edwina has been feeling this huge amount of pressure. She thinks she has to get married to like provide for her mother and sister. And for some reason in the show, they took that away. Like Edwina didn't even know about their like money troubles because Kate intentionally yeah. kept it from her. Mary didn't even know their mom. Mary did keep 
the money troubles a little bit. It is, but she, right. Mary didn't know the full extent because there's this whole dumb subplot with like Mary's parents, the Sheffields, who are like rich assholes. And like, you know, there's like the whole subplot with that. that like Kate knows it and she's been keeping it from Edwina and Mary. Yeah, it just like doesn't. Yeah, it's so, it doesn't make any sense. And, but like, but yeah, so Edwina doesn't even have the whole thing of like, oh, I think I'm doing this for my family. It's like, I think I'm doing it for myself, which is what Kate wanted her to do, which is like not at all gross. I don't know. It's just. And the thing is, is like they gave Edwina that whole character arc of her going from like naive girl to like, you know, strong woman or whatever, who may or may not end up with Prince Friedrich. I don't know. I'm 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 into that. <laughs> that little there's like a little tidbit at the end of episode eight. But then they didn't really give Kate any character development. There's like a little bit where she like realizes that like sh- her, the like she belongs in the family. She doesn't have to earn her place in the family because like that's supposed to be her whole thing. Which like yeah. that really only like is actually explored for like a brief five minute conversation with Mary in the last episode. Yeah. And so Kate doesn't really change. Like she doesn't have the character growth, and they gave it all to Edwina. And it was just it was very odd that they made Edwina such a big character at the expense of their main couple. Yeah. And this is nothing against the actress. People bullied the actress off Twitter. So I want to say, like, I really liked the actress. She was very, very talented. And she was, like, she was a great Edwina. Like, she played her very well. For sure. I think she would have been a great book Edwina as well. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And, like, it brings us to, like, in the book, Edwina didn't have any feelings for Anthony. Like, she realized – she was, like, secretly, like, matchmaking. You know, she wanted Kate and Anthony. Like, she, like, saw where the wind was blowing. For some reason, it's like it brings me to the, like, the incest porn. Like, I just don't understand why they had to make Edwina, like, be heartbroken – why yeah, she's like actually in love she says i'm in love like i'm in right. love with him and so therefore they had to have all this like groveling and like two episodes of like still back and forth where like kate has to wait for edwina to forgive her which i get but it's only because they set it up to edwina actually being heartbroken and getting all the way to the wedding therefore they couldn't just have like kate and anthony get together right after that because they would look like assholes like you yeah. know it and was just so... it was so unnecessary like you didn't need to make them look that much like assholes to then necessitate wasting two fucking episodes to unasshole them. Yeah. Like, and listen, I didn't even need, I didn't need it to follow the book where Anthony and Kate get married in like episode six. Cause if it followed the book, like that's what it, that's what it would do. I don't need it. I understand for the adaptation wanting to do that like slow burn and wanting to do that enemies to lovers and keep that going like until the end, but not this way. <laughs> no. And that's what I'm saying. I, I just couldn't. So in the book, they ha- are forced to get married because of the B scene. So, <laughs> okay, okay, so well, let me get into this. All right, so there's no titty sucking. Right, they're in the garden. Kate gets stung by a bee. Anthony's dad died by being stung by a bee, so he naturally like starts freaking out. And in the book, he like tries to suck out the venom, which won't even work for snakes. So don't do that. But just suck out the venom, <laughs> and then like Mrs. Featherington, the gang like comes upon them and it's like, oh my god, you're like kissing your boobs. You have to get married. Lord, girl, he had his <laughs> mouth on your bubbies. The yes. best line in the whole series. <laughs> yes. And they didn't do that. And I honestly, I thought it was kind of silly in the book. It's because of fucking beast. It was kind of, it felt very contrived. It was so very like silly. <laughs> yeah, like they would have gotten together anyway. It felt very like, oh, now we're being forced. Like whatever. But I can't believe I would miss that because if they had just done that in the show, it would have been so much better. And also, I didn't like that he, like he just kind of has like kind of a panic attack like he's like worried but i want i want him calms to calms him down right but i i like that it was about him like wanting to save her and like being you know he's like why do i hate this person why do i care so much she's about to die like why am i like so intent on like saving her life that i'm like sucking the venom out like but he didn't do that and it was just i can't i just can't believe that that's a scene i would have like preferred to have in that they managed to like make it work like not that it, it wasn't that bad but it was like it kind of cut the chemistry like they were building anyway yeah and also the library scene where like – because Kate – so they they like bait, they like 
briefly mention that Kate like doesn't like thunderstorms, but it's not really Any like they, they completely yeah. cut that part of her trauma. And so we don't instead of having like a library scene where Anthony is like comforting Kate, they just kind of like talk, have another like we're going to stand with our mouths like two inches apart, but not kiss and like just breathe in each other's air. And then they mm-hmm. leave. And like, again, like I'm totally fine with them cutting Kate's thunderstorm thing because I also thought that was just silly in the book. And I, I I, still think that they maintained that like parallel trauma of like both having lost their fathers, both mm-hmm. like being parentified by their now widowed mothers, like both feeling like they have to like be the only person who takes it on the boundaries for their family. And so I, I did think that they did that well. And I did think that that was like, I was like, okay, like, they, like it was very like constantly they were like, you guys are the same yeah. person. It, like they were saying they're the same person. Daphne was telling them the same person like but all of those conversations and all that growth happened with other people it didn't happen with them yeah that's the thing it was frustrating like there were so many scenes where they were talking with other people and they just really they didn't have scenes where they were together which is another thing that in real life ideally I feel like you would work through your trauma and talk through it and then be ready to be in a relationship instead of like, you know, in real life, yes. In a book, though, like, you know, instead of, like, getting together and then working through your trauma together. But, like, that's not – that's not how it's done. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's just – there was, like, no growth of them together and no, like – he didn't even explain ever, like, why he – exactly he was so, yeah, I, you know. I wish they had had a heart-to-heart about that. Right. Like, his whole thing is, like, like he's afraid to be in love because of how fucked up his mom was after his dad died. And it was really She parentified up. him. Sure. Yeah. No. Okay. So there's yeah. – they actually show the flashback scenes. Like, they change it. So oh in the God. book, it's it's Eloise who sees the dad die. But in the in the, in the the show, it's Anthony, which I like. Like, I, I, I like that he change. He acts like it was him. He ignores it anyway in the book. <laughs> yeah. <so>. But, <laughs> but the scene – so there's that scene. Then there's the scene where, like, he, like, realizes he's the new Viscount and everybody's asking him questions and he's overwhelmed because he's just a kid. And then there's a scene when oh, Lady God. Bridgerton, Violet, is giving birth and like he's being he's being asked by the doctor. So it's Violet's giving birth. The baby's in breach, which was very dangerous back in the day because it means the baby's upside down, like the wrong way. And the doctor's like, Anthony, you need to decide like if it comes down to it, who am I going to save, like the baby or the mom? And meanwhile, Violet's over there, the one literally giving birth. It's her body, her life. And she's like, he can't decide. Like he's a kid. Like he's not the one who should decide like but she's i mean i guess she's not saying i should decide either she's like my husband should have decided he's the one who should have decided like because he's the viscount yeah. like, he's dead but i'm like this is just so fucked up and it's another one of those things of, like very upset for i didn't Violet. need <laughs> i didn't need my misogyny to be so stated like i just didn't need that i mean anthony does ultimately leave it up to her so i understand but it was just like so i made me so angry i was like are you fucking kidding me like you're gonna let this, this like 18 year old child like or let anyone else, literally anyone else, make that decision. Yeah. Um, though, I mean, I guess I can see, like, you don't want to be – you don't want to put the person in that situation. But, like, no. Like, no. Yeah. It's uh, – it was also, like – but there was, like, really beautiful scenes with Violet and Anthony just, like, talking about, like, all so, that trauma. And there was this – what? Because – so, well, the second part of that trauma is that in the days afterwards, like, we see a conversation between Violet and Anthony. And Anthony's like, can you please, like, make more of an effort? Like, your kids miss you. And Violet's like – I wish the baby had just killed me. Like, that's what I would have wanted. And so that really fucks him up. He's like, wow, like I I can never be – I can – It's he's even – he's like, I can never die and then have my wife be like that basically. Which I liked a lot better as the trauma. I mean that's – that is still kind of the trauma in the book. But I liked that better than the whole I'm going to die by 39 thing. (laughs) Like I (laughs) – they didn't really do that. They did like constantly – you know, he's looking at his dad's watch. 
and they are constantly like, oh, you're running out of time. But they were never – he was never like, yes, I am going to die mm-hmm. by 39. And I was like – I didn't think it was necessary in the book. I was like, this is fine. But like I, I feel like the show explore had more emotional depth with it. Yeah. It made it – the only different – the only thing it did was say like he was for sure like certain that this was going to happen, that if he married someone who loved them, he would like do this to them versus in the show it was like just a what if. But Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, there's this like really beautiful scene at the end between Violet. So Kate <laughs> Kate goes horseback riding, falls over a horse, and goes into a brief coma in the last episode. And this is when Anthony God. like carries her through the rain or whatever. And Anthony, he is like obviously super feral and like worried about her the whole time. Um, and he and Violet have this like this conversation in the last episode that's like a big heart to heart about like she was like, you know, like, I really wasn't there for you. Like, I fucked you up. Basically, Violet's like, yeah, I fucked you up and I'm sorry. You know what I mean? With like, with, she's like, how I reacted after Edmund died. Which again, I'm not blaming Violet. Like, I'm not necessarily blaming Violet because that fucking sucks. And also she was pregnant. She probably had postpartum depression. Like, Violet probably was, mm-hmm. Violet was going through it. Um, but she is like, you know, like, I, I failed you in a lot of ways as a mom. And then, and then he finds out, but Anthony finds out that Kate's okay. And he just like, bursts into tears and it's like the first time like he's one of the in the early episodes he's like I haven't I didn't even cry when my dad died like I basically I haven't cried since he says it yeah yeah and like then he just cries when he knows Kate's okay and that was just so because that's the thing this Kate and Anthony like as a couple were just I am obsessed with them. I'm obsessed with them. They could step on me. Their chemistry was wonderful. Jonathan and Simone were like perfect. Like it was perfectly cast. And I just wanted more. And I was so frustrated that we had to sacrifice more of Anthony and Kate for all these other things that I don't think worked as well. Like that they were just like, like, holy fucking shit. Simon and Daphne, who? (laughs) Kate and Anthony are here. Yeah. One more thing to say about the hyacinth's traumatic birth is that it has now been worked into like both season one and season two. So in season one, we get this like little thing of like Daphne talking about how Eloise being like, aren't you scared of childbirth? Like I remember – and Daphne was like, yeah, I remember like singing to you to distract you when mom was going to die. And now we have obviously this thing with Anthony. And I just wonder if they're going to work it into like every storyline until finally culminating with hyacinth's own trauma of being born. <laughs> like, I said this bored and traumatized. Like, I don't know. <laughs> one can only hope. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix, take notes. Uh, one, And then my last sort of complaint, and then I want to talk about Newton. I want to just talk about more of the rabies. <laughs> okay. My also complaint was like, this wasn't nearly as booby enough. They kept giving us mm. – they, they made this interesting costuming decision where – they had all these characters wearing these outfits that was like – it was like a, you know, a, a square neck dress and then like a V-neck over it, which gave the very strong vibe of like 2005 middle school chastity sh- like undershirts where like, you know, you have – you're wearing a V-neck t-shirt, but you got to like wear a tank top underneath to like cover your boobs because God forbid middle school girls have boobs. And I, it was the whole season. I was like – like they did it to Violet and Violet's tits were off the like wow. rewatching season one now with our grandma, like Violet's tits were off the fucking charts. I was like, let Violet be titty. Let let those titties be free. And like all the ca- I was like, take them where are the tits? Out. I'm trying to see you. I was very upset. <laughs> take them titties out because I want to see them. Like, let me see them. the boobs. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. As much as I loved though, Kate and Anthony. We do have to give credit to the other enemies to lovers arc in this season, which was 
Newton and Anthony, um, <laughs> which is not resolved. And I hope will be Kate and Anthony are going to be in season. It is three. resolved. It's confirmed. No, no, no. Because in the epilogue, in the like last scene epilogue, he's like, and Newton steals the the one of the Palmao balls, and then. Anthony's like, he never listens to me. <laughs> so, like, they're still rivals. My theory at first was that Newton was growling at Anthony because he sensed the nearness of rabies. And he was like, don't you fucking come near me because I know, I know you're going to give it to me. Like, stay the fuck back. There ain't no vaccine for me, bro. And then, but then it seemed, it was probably still partially that, but it seemed more like he just didn't like that Anthony was there for Edwina. But as soon as he was there for Kate, he, like, came up and was, like, all friendly to Anthony. But yeah. yeah, there are multiple scenes where like Anthony and Newton have like stare offs and yeah. then like Newton growls at him. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. It's just an absolute <laughs> delight. But yeah, I was like, I-, I hope we get that resolved in season three because yeah, Kate, it's confirmed that like Kate's going to be in season three. I'm pretty sure after like Rachel John Page left, they were like securing cameos for all the actors. Yeah. But also because this whole season really set up, Anthony was constantly like, my wife is going to be the woman of the house. She's going to be responsible for all of my siblings now. Mm-hmm. Like she, you know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. like they were definitely setting up, okay, like Kate and Anthony are still going to be like major players in the upcoming seasons, which I'm glad about because again, we got like five minutes of them being a happy couple. And so like, I want season three to just be all of them being a happy couple. Yeah. I can't imagine it without Anthony, honestly, like this year. Yeah. This I mean, yeah, the show. he has to. He just has to be there, like, foaming in the background, like, looking around doors like, Farrell. <laughs> yeah. We saw him. Oh, yeah, that's Ever another thing we saw threat. with the flashbacks. We saw oh, him yeah. transforming. Moment. We saw him get infected with rape. The bee stung Edmund and killed Edmund, but it also <gasps> infected Anthony with rabies. We God. literally see Jonathan, like, <laughs> Anthony fucking stares at his dad. He sta- His mom... His dad dies in Violet's arms. Like, Violet runs out. She's like, oh, my God. And then Anthony's staying there, and his face is just shaking. And you can just see, like, the feral energy entering his yep. eyeballs. <laughs> and yep. it's, it's like a fucking – it's like yeah. a werewolf transformation. Yeah. No, 100 – yeah, God, 100%. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, this is amazing. I'm so glad we got the backstory for this. Like, yep. It's not even us that noticed it. Like both Violet and Daphne are like, you completely changed after your dad died. Yes, that it's because he became a werewolf. Completely different person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. It's fucking great. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. I really just, yeah, I just really enjoy Anthony and Kate as characters. And I think both of those actors are super talented. And I just really wish that we had gotten more of them. I feel like they were criminally underutilized in a season that should have been more about them. That was just, yeah, disappointing. Oh, well, there were a bunch of plant puns for both Penelope and Colin. Oh, like, yeah. Separately. That was funny. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm still, I'm still, I'm having a lot of trouble. I am very excited for Benedict's season, which is interesting because I don't love Benedict's book, but I really like Benedict in the show. And I think he's also a really good actor. And I like how they sort of set. I mean, I, I didn't like having the subplot because it took away from Anthony and Kate, but I like the subplot and what it gave us about Benedict, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. And so I'm excited for his season. I'm even excited for him to be straight, even though I think it would be way better if he were gay. Yeah. So I'm excited for his next season. I'm not super excited for season four, which is Penelope and Colin, because I just think Colin is like a sack of trash. Like, I just really don't like Colin. Like, there was really, there's really nothing about Colin where I'm like, why does Penelope like this man? Like, I don't yeah. understand. He's 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 not a hero and they're going to have to do so much work because here's my thing. Book Colin is like not that much like that book is very like there's not really a lot of like hero moments for Colin in that book. Like it's it's very sort of low key. 
So like you're really going to have to depart from the book. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the kind of thing where Penelope should like realize that she's been like crushing on this guy for like, you know, who doesn't deserve her and then get a better storyline. Like, yeah. Or that or ready she finally gets over Colin and then Colin is like, "Oh my god, I love her." And then we mm-hmm. just see the whole season of Colin courting Penelope. Mm-hmm. And like Colin trying to like win Penelope mm-hmm. over. Like we're going to need I'm that. fine with that. I just Colin yeah. needs to put in some work. Colin has put in no work. Right. Like in any capacity, he just grew shitty facial hair and went to Greece and colonized. Like that's what he did. <laughs> and came back pronouncing words obnoxiously with like an accent. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, oh, have you been to, have you been to, I don't even know, like. The whole season, Eloise is roasting him for talking about Greece all the time. Yeah. Like every interaction they have is her being like, oh my God, he never fucking stops talking yeah. about Greece. I interpreted that more as Eloise being like, like, wow, I'm jealous that you got to like go and I couldn't. Yeah, so where I'm excited about season two. I'm excited to see more happy couple Kate and Anthony. Oh yeah, and then we also have to see the fallout of um, Penelope or Eloise finding out that Penelope's lady whistle down. Oh yeah, because yeah, so Eloise is like accused of being lady whistle down by the queen, and the queen like basically threatens her family unless she like agrees to fall in line and like just so know, push the, propaganda the whole- for the the fucking queen is just so yeah weird <laughs> yeah and just yeah but. But so obviously Eloise is like, oh my god, Penelope, like this sucks. And Penelope's like, fuck, I have to like get her out of this. Like I could go talk to the queen myself, but like would she even like see me? Which seemed kind of weak. Like you should at least try that first. But she's like, all right, well, I have to – the only thing I can do is like publish something about Eloise that she would never publish herself. So she publishes about like Eloise going to these like radical rallies or whatever, which she has done. I know. And and being friends with the with the printer boy who is her twin. She didn't publish that though, but she did like tell She Eloise. did. No, she didn't. Yes, she did. No, because that's what she like threatens Eloise with. She's like, people are already talking oh. about you and Theo. But anyway, but so that's like kind of, you know, makes things shitty for Eloise. Like that sucks. And right after that, like Eloise starts suspecting Penelope and Lady Whistledown has also stopped writing. And then she like goes and like, you know, breaks in her room and like ransacks her yeah and finds her money and she's like i know it was you and like you know it's obviously really falling out why doesn't i don't know why penelope doesn't have like a story ready to go in case anyone ever found the money like oh papa gave me some like emergency funds he like only trusted me like just in case something happened you know like especially because eloise would have no reason to doubt that because eloise presumably doesn't know that the dad was like a gambler and didn't really care about penelope you know so yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go I with that. Know. It'll be interesting whether like a new person finds out about Penelope every season. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, it's supposed to be a secret. Like, is it is it still going to be revealed at large in season four? Are they going to keep that secret until season eight? And if they do, like, how many people are going to be fucking aware <laughs> by the time we get there? Like, well, obviously Penelope trusts Eloise not to tell anyone because she starts writing again. Unless, like you said, she's just like, fuck it, I don't care anymore. But. Yeah, I think there's like an element of both. Like, I don't think Eloise is going to tell anyone, but I think Penelope is just sort of like absolutely going wild now. Like, she's like, I don't give a fuck about anyone anymore. Because she also, this is the time when she hears. So in the book, there's like a moment where Colin's like, I'm certainly not going to marry Penelope Featherington as just like a, you know, not necessarily mean-spirited. And in the show, they made it like infinitely mean-spirited. Like, he's like mm-hmm. shit, like talking shit with like all these like bros and Penelope overhears. And so she's like really upset. And that's when she she goes to write she's like i'm i'm done with this shit which is why i kind of a little bit have hope that you know colin's gonna have to like really earn it mm-hmm. yeah like they didn't need even need that like that was overkill he was already like in a place where like he was constantly like friend zoning her 
Yeah. Oh, another good thing I liked, they used proper forms of address for <laughs> Kate and Edwina. Kate was always Miss Sharma. Edwina was always Miss Edwina Sharma. They never strayed. They never disrespected Kate by uh-huh. implying that Miss Sharma would ever refer to Edwina. It was great. I was yeah. very proud of them for great. that. Yeah. Well done, friends. Mm-hmm. I also just like that everyone got haircuts in this season as well. Yeah. All the boys got haircuts. Like, which is funny because their hair, their dumbass haircuts in the first season are like the most historic, like one of the very historically accurate things that they <laughs> do in the show. And I was just like, no, <laughs> I don't want it. I liked Eloise's haircut too. It was better. Yeah, Eloise's hair is better in season two. Everybody else's hair was the same, basically. I just they gave a lot of moments to Lady Danbury and Kate. That could have been moments between Kate and Mary. Like, they just sort of, like, pushed Mary to the sidelines, which was kind of stunk because, like, I really – like, I that's one of the things that, like, I really enjoyed. Like, having that dynamic of, like – especially because Mary's not Kate's biological mother. But, yeah, they they simultaneously, like, made Mary – facially more Kate's like mother like they didn't have in the book she's constantly like oh I love like you're you know you're as good as my daughter but I'm not your mother I'm not your mother we know about but it's because (laughs) she's trying to like keep her mother's memory alive and like you know but here it's like there's never a moment where she says anything like that like she always like my older my my two daughters like whatever but at the same time it's like she's not a mother to really Kate or Edwina like she's just like not she's not a participant she completely like parentified Kate I don't yeah, when are we going to get a fucking romance where parentification isn't part of the character's drama? I know. And well, and going back to Lady Danbury, like her whole thing just didn't make any sense. She was like telling Kate like, oh, you need to find love. But then like telling her that only a fool would like disrupt the wedding or whatever, which is true. Yeah, but like it, yeah, was, it, was, so, it, was just- it was very odd because Lady Danbury gave all these speeches in season one about like, don't give a fuck about society. Just follow right. your heart. And then she was like half did that in this season, but also like completely changed hat. Like she just waffled a lot and it was very odd. Yeah. And then even after the wedding was called off because Anthony was in love with Kate, or are they not like aware of that? They are, right? Like they, yeah. like her, both Lady Danbury and Mrs. Bridger and Violet Bridgerton are like seemingly, they're just like, we have to pretend like nothing happened. Like you guys need to not talk, Kate and Anthony need to not talk to each other. You can still never be together. Like it just. Yeah. I thought, I thought they were going to make the solution like, okay, we'll make the scandal go away by Kate and Anthony getting together to show that there's no like bad will in the families mm. or whatever. Like I thought that would have would have been interesting and then we could have had two episodes and we still could have had Edwina being upset we still could have had that like the resolution that was needed there but then we would have had two episodes of like guaranteeing that Anthony and Kate actually get some one-on-one time and actually get some like development in their relationship and we just we didn't yeah I didn't even think of that as the angle of like oh showing the families are okay because I mean in real life, I don't know if that would work with making the scandal go no, away, but no, I feel like no. in yeah, in like historical romances in Bridgerton world, yeah, yeah that's fine. the thing about that's the thing about them is like even within the same book, the same thing can like at one point be something that absolutely is so scandalous they have to get married, and then like later on be like not that big of a deal, you know? Like yeah. to end on a positive note, they were really fucking great. And you know what? If you like slow burns, and if you've never read the book, you may really enjoy this season. But it wasn't even yeah, I like I don't no. want to say I just need more of them. Not I think I could have enjoyed it. Shit. Yeah, I think if you just really neutralize your expectations going in, even from season one, even from the it could episode. be enjoyable. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum, but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that also part of me is also blaming Netflix because I really think they could have done this. I think the pacing was just really slow. Like there were parts where like 
we would just get subplots for 20 minutes between Kate and Anthony scenes. And I was like, why? And I I think that they could have done this in like six episodes. And I think Mm -hmm. like that wasn't even a possibility because Netflix was like, we have to do eight episodes because season one was eight episodes. Because the just the episode six is a whole – it's just the wedding. The whole episode is the wedding. Oh it was, my God. It went yeah, on we, for so oh, long. We don't have to – I mean, I don't I don't want to start like nitpicking. No, but the wedding – like come on. A wedding that's not the main – like for what? For what? And then Kate goes in the closet. They don't even make out in the closet. Like come on. They don't even make out in the closet. Oh my God. I was so upset. And then they make out in the church instead. I was like, you were going to have them make out this episode. Why can't they make out in the closet? Whatever. Say la vie. I'm still going to fucking watch season three. I'm still going to be fucking excited for season – you know what I mean? Like I'm still going to be hyped for season three. The gaslighting is off the charts, like especially with Kate. Oh, Aduna my God. No. And Anthony because she's like, no, we didn't kiss. <laughs> that didn't happen. Oh and But also um, with Penelope, Penelope's whole like oh, yeah. slogan this fucking season is gaslight gatekeep girl boss. Like she's constantly gaslighting, yeah. especially Eloise. Eloise. It's wild. Yeah. It's so <laughs> insane how much she gaslights Eloise. All the way to the end, yeah. Because her whole thing wow. is trying to find Lady Miss Yeah, she even tries to do like a last a last ditch gaslight at the end. <laughs> yeah. And it would have worked too if she just had a story ready to go. It's great. Those meddling coins. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. Okay. Favorite part of the season. The first the the Anthony speed dating montage. My favorite parts were all Anthony gives like a gazillion love speeches to Kate. And in isolation, like in the context of the show, they were frustrating because they didn't move the plot along as much as I wanted them to. But in isolation, every single one of them was gold. I was like, this is f- fucking fabulous. I love it. You are like my greatest vexation and the objects of my greatest desires. Like at one point, Anthony's like, don't make me marry my sister because I will cheat on her with you. Yeah. (laughs) Which I know is like bad, but just like the way it was phrased is great. There's another confession. There's another like monologue scene he gives right before they fuck in an outside gazebo for the first time. Oh, random. Yeah. (laughs) And then and then the very, very end, he gives this whole like love that he's like i'm in love with you it's just yeah it's very i really enjoyed all of anthony's many many confessions of love scenes <laughs> and Kate. he wakes up and she's gone like we don't even get and then she's in a coma for a week <laughs> like he wakes up she's gone she's gone on a dramatic ride through the rain he goes to her house to apologize and also to propose and then he's like oh my god she went for a rain because they met they were like anthony was doing a dramatic ride in the park mm-hmm. and then kate was like also riding in the park and like that's how, she was like the mysterious like whatever and like that's yeah. how they met in isol in like just treating the scenes as they are and not looking them in the greater context of the episode Yep. I really enjoyed them. They really kept me going. When Anthony and Kay burned, it was like hot as fuck. Yeah. So cat scale? Very low. Yeah. I'm going to say like one. Eloise honestly. is the only cat-like movements. I, I don't like. even know. She's like a chihuahua. She's like Bruce or Woods and El- Legally Blonde. <laughs> well, a bit. I see it. But he's a little cat-like too. Just very low because Anthony is a rabid dog. Kate didn't really give me animal vibes. Kate's a dog too. She's like a Doberman. Yeah. Sure. Like, you know. But a Doberman who, like, is also a lap dog. You know oh, for I mean? sure. Well, I think a lot, I think Dobermans are, like, very unfairly. The image of them is very much, like, yeah. not what their temperament is actually yeah. like. All right. Three, two, two one, one, one. One. Okay. One. Anyway. Yeah, no. Yay, feral dog, Anthony. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Gladiator is maybe just- shot at the end. I want to go watch an interview of him in normal life to see what, if, if he's like that or if like that's just something no, he managed to so. like perfect. Like it's for so I just impressive. Think that's something yeah. he managed to perfect because I don't. Yeah. You know what? I don't think he 
just thinking back and again we watched like the last episode at like 4 30 and like a semi like Mm -hmm. you know like fugue state but i don't think he has the crazy eyes at the very end because when he's Mm -hmm. like finally professes love to kate kate says she loves him too and then in like the epilogue where they're playing pow bow again and they're like cute and happy and like they have a little like naked morning in bed you get to see simone ashley's ass unfortunately we don't get to see newton's ass how do you have a corgi (laughs) not have a wobble butt moment i don't know missed opportunity but about anthony like in those last like 10 minutes when he's like happy Mm -hmm. with katie's finally allowing himself to be happy like yeah. I, the fair he's like the rabies shot finally works you know yeah. I mean? he's gotten his booster and it's like it's good the booster of love like it, he's got yeah it. it just reminds me of like um you know the whole like robert pattinson thing where he like you know was wanted edward to you know they sent him like twilight yeah. with all the edward smiles circle and he sent back like edward frowns and then they were like no you, <laughs> your AIDS agent was like no you really have to fucking like be a little bit more cheery or they're gonna fire you i could just see like what's his face what's his name again oh jonathan bailey jonathan bailey just like doing that with him being like he's got to be fucking rapping they're like all right fine like fine you've you've charmed me <laughs> like all right you've charmed you've been yeah because i don't know where else i would have come from it's just inspired yeah he's like i am an olivier nominated actor i think that's true i think he's been nominated for an olivier award which is like the British Tonys, basically, because okay. he's like a like a theater yeah. actor. I think that's one of the, the the other reasons why he's so good at playing the rabbit because he's a theater actor, and that mm-hmm. always has to be like larger than life when you're on stage. So he knows how to like just go absolutely wild. Yeah. <laughs> he's just rabid. Good job, Jonathan. Good job, Simone. Hope we get much more of you in season three. Sincerely, I hope you get your whole subplot in season three. That, but like a subplot that just involves like. Who stole the mallet of death? And that's like their whole subplot in season yeah, two. Like, you know like, what I mean? There's no, there's no like marital troubles. It's just them being like cute. Yeah, rolling in the mud <laughs> together. They roll in the mud. Yeah. People. Yeah, yeah, they roll in the mud. Personally, it's I. Would it's hate. very the the mud scene when Anthony tries to help her get out of the mud is very like Gilbert Blythe uh, rescues Anne Shirley in like the 1980s TV movies. Mm. Anyway. Oh, oh, Green and Green Gables. Specifically, yeah. Anne of Green Gables. Yeah. The the Gilbert rescues Anne from the water, from the pond. All right. Where can they find us, Rachel? Well, they can find us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and now YouTube at We Read It One Night. They can also find us on Twitter at We Read It Podcast. You can email us any suggestions, comments, literally anything you want. We Read It One Night at gmail.com. And make sure to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen if you can do that. And also, if you could, like, download the episodes when you listen to them, you can, like, undownload them when you're done. But, like, download them when you listen to them. That's how most um, podcasting services track um, how many people listen to an episode. So that helps us a lot. Streaming also helps us too. But, you know, in terms of, like, visibility and stuff. So Oh, also, we we finally hit 10,000 followers on TikTok. So Woo-hoo. very exciting. Thank you for that. If you were instrumental in that. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very right. much. All right. All right. Anyway. Godspeed. Godspeed, Godspeed comrades. Godspeed, comrades.